I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, I know you're going to love my guest. I know I say that every time, but I mean it. Her book, God Came to My Garage Sale, caught my eye. And I know you are now just like I was so curious as to what happened that day at her garage sale. She has an incredible story I know will teach us all how to look for the magic in every situation in life and see the good and how everything is always working for us, never to us. And as always, that I always say, everything is always perfect when you can look from the higher perspective and realize we are all on this journey of self-discovery and expansion. And even what you might think is a roadblock is really a lesson and a gift. And when you can see your life with eyes of love and acceptance, then life becomes so much more magical. Before I introduce you to my guest today, I want to remind you, if you or you know someone who wants to join me this fall for Raising Confidence for the teens or the magic path for parents or adults, please connect with me to get on the waiting list. We are going to begin September 12th and end the week of November 6th. I can't think of a better way to begin the school year with new mindset tools and more confident kids and more confident families. Having two teenage girls myself, I am so aware of what these kids are going through right now. I feel it's crucial for these kids to get these mindset tools now while they are still living in your home so you as a parent feel confident when they leave your house. I just finished my summer session and had an entire family for the first time take the course together. It is It was probably one of those magical experiences to see this transformation in both the kids and the parents. And now they are all on the same page and have accountability partners right in their very own family. How powerful is that? If you want to look at any of my testimonials, you can go to my website at ashleygonner.com, or you can also see them on my YouTube channel. Just Ashley Goner. Everything is under Ashley Goner. I also have my podcast episodes on there in case you are the one that likes to see the interview rather than just listen. So please connect with me sooner than later because I only take a small number and it always fills up. So grateful. Thank you, everyone who always reaches out and, you know, takes pushes past the fear, knowing that they want these confident kids in this world and these families that live on the same high vibration. It is so powerful. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest today and that I know you're going to love. Her name is Dr. Marnie Hill Fodderero. 
She is an award-winning educator and celebrated author. She earned her doctorate in education and completed postdoctoral studies at Harvard after a very successful, rewarding 35-year career as a high school special education teacher. With 12 years as a university professor, Marnie was born in the South, raised her children in the Midwest, and has made the Caribbean her home. Inspired by hundreds of true accounts, Marnie's critically acclaimed spiritual fiction book, God Came to My Garage Sale, was an award-winning finalist in the 2020 Best Book Award sponsored by the American Book Fest. It's about a questioning atheist woman who experiences numerous spiritually transformative encounters and has received praise from prominent endorsers, including James Redfield, best-selling author of the Celestine Prophecy book. Marnie's message encourages us all to be open to spiritual signs and synchronicities while living in the present with mindfulness, compassion, peace, love, and light is timely because the veil is thinning and people around the world are more open to God and the possibilities of the afterlife. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Marnie Hill Fodorero to the show. Oh, hey, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Oh, you're so welcome. And I was talking in the intro about your book, uh, God came to my garage sale. And I guess when I when I learned of you or when I started doing my research on you, Marnie, that book, that, that alone, that title <laughs> makes you go, what? I yeah. need to go deeper. Like I need to find out how God came to her garage sale. Right? So I go there and I learn about that whole magical story that we're going to get into. And then I learn about your childhood and, you know, it's always fascinating to know, like, you know, raised as, as an atheist and, yeah. you know, looking at you now and gosh, and you know, all the, the books that you've written and they're so different. Yeah. They're not like a regular just how creative you are and you know that that you I feel like you know almost like when I think of you uncovered your magic was that the garage sale you know I mean I just feel like throughout my life I've had magical moments um, that have all you know incorporated into my life and definitely I had a life change around the garage sale time that really led to more of a spiritual awakening and I think I paid more attention to the magic after that. Yeah. Well, the thing that's interesting to me is at the point of your life that you were at the garage sale, mm-hmm. you could have been in a depressed and victim mm-hmm. mind, but you weren't. No, not and at all. that is why I know that's when you met God and all the yeah. angels and all the dragonflies. But I don't want to get to there yet because I feel like when you talk about your childhood and you know, how you were raised and then meeting your husband, raising children, all that stuff. I, I kind of want to go there. So then we, then we'll talk about more, um, more fun stuff. Yeah, sure. It's all fun stuff, but I just want people to get to know you. It's all part of the journey, you know, the negative and the positive. I think it all is part of the journey, but how we choose to handle these things, you know, makes or breaks, you know, how we look at life. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So let's go. 
So take me down my little yellow brick road of Marnie Hill. <laughs> well, uh, starting from when? When? Where do you want me to begin? Well, just kind of how your childhood was with your parents. It was atheist. You were raised, you didn't yeah. believe in God. Yeah, believed in nothing, you know, as far as any kind of divine power. And I really didn't know any other belief system because I really wasn't exposed to it. But I did have some wonderful parts of my childhood. I was raised by two parents that really believed in independence and, you know, you're on your own kid kind of thing. And that was good in many ways because, you know, you develop self-reliance and, you know, you entertain yourself and you get very creative and, and they encouraged creativity. And so... I definitely was raised with a healthy respect for people of all different faiths and ethnicities. And, you know, I mean, I just really had an open mind when it came to to people, as well as just a beautiful exposure to nature and the world around us. And so that was a really cool foundation. But I found as I got a little bit older that I needed some answers. Like I I needed to know what is this world all about? And, you know, there were too many magical miracles in this world for me just to explain it away to like, oh, it's just, we live and die and there's nothing else, you know, no divine intervention in here anywhere. So on my own, when I was at the college level, I looked into organized religion and felt some comfort there and felt I got some answers and, you know, became Presbyterian, which actually was the religion of my paternal grandmother. And I don't know, I just felt very comfortable there. And as I got older and when I was raising a family, I really wanted our family to be united. And so I joined the Catholic Church, really enjoyed that whole process, mostly because of the sense of community that that provided. But then again, you know, as I got older and, you know, had some other experiences and kind of looked at the hypocrisy of some of the things that was going on. I I just really believed that you didn't need to be in four walls to experience God Mm -hmm. or to experience spirituality. And then in a a real life-changing event, after I left a marriage after 27 years and I lost everything. And like you said, I could have been in a real deep, dark place, you know, kind of sitting on the pity pot, but I didn't. I was just filled with gratitude and love for what I did have, what I did experience. Um, but knowing but why, that- but why? That's what I want to know. Where was your mind then? Because we'll go back to explaining because your other books will describe who you were married to, the, you know, yeah. learning that and what you went through with your children. But why were you in a gratitude place? You know, that's a really good question. You know, I really feel that I've always approached life in gratitude with a sense of thankfulness. And I've had other challenges in my life growing up, you know, numerous ones. And I've lost friends and I've been in situations where bad things happen to good people. And I was just left pondering what's going on here, Mm -hmm. but I still try to find the good in people and in situations. And sometimes to a fault, 
which means then, you know, I allow people in my life that really don't resonate with my same values, but I just kind of go along thinking, okay, everyone is good. Right. And so I, I, you know, where did it come from? I just think it was like an inner knowing, you know, just an inner belief that this is a life journey. And that instead of looking at things as heartbreaks, you know, because my heart has been broken many times, instead of looking at, you know, gosh, all the things I have lost, and I have lost a lot of things, and a people and and dreams and hopes. I just have always kind of approached it like, well, there must be a reason for it. And I've got to learn from it. And I can, I'm at a crossroads. I'm at a watershed. I can either choose to go down this path or this path. I want to live in love and light and positivity. So that's the path I chose. Wow. And I I think before we get to the garage sale, Mm -hmm. I want people to understand the narcissistic, the relationship you had with your husband. I want you to go to the place you went to the pizza restaurant. Yeah. And that was a, I feel a moment in time. Yeah. That was my life. That was my light bulb moment. Um, You know, I was married for 27 years and I knew even before I got married that there were values that my husband had that were just really not my values. I knew that there were differences, but my overwhelming desire to be a mom and to have a family. And, uh, and I'd already experienced some other relationship heartbreaks. Mm -hmm. I just said, I was swept away. Like I, you know, and what happens with people that eventually you find out have malevolent agendas or can be considered domestic abusers. I'm not here to diagnose anyone or anything like that. I just know my own experience, but they kind of choose people. They kind of pick and choose a vulnerable person, someone who is empathetic and who sees the good and might overlook the bad because they count on that, you know? So you're love bombed. I really felt that, you know, I had met my soulmate, you know, later to find out he was the furthest thing from my soulmate. And so I went along ignoring the red flags that so many men and women do that are in relationships when they just are kind of blind. Like they say, love is blind. You know, there's some truth to that. You know, I really overlooked all sorts of things that that many people after they, you know, heard about what I experienced and and uh, the dynamics of the relationship would be, why didn't you get out? I mean, mm-hmm. Why did you stay so long? And I think, you know, I just had that kind of rose-colored glasses situation. I was very busy, too, raising my family, working on an advanced degree. I loved my full-time job as a special education teacher. And um, luckily, I was able to keep that. You know, so many people in these situations are kind of encouraged to quit their job and become very dependent on the person so that they can control and manipulate you even more. So at least I know that I, you know, had my wonderful career as a teacher. And, uh, and so I would be able to see that through the end to retirement, had a very close relationship with both children. When I chose to file for divorce, which you said happened at the pizza place, which it did, that was my final straw moment, my light bulb moment where some, confessions and wrongdoings were exposed 
you know, by the perpetrator, I think unintentionally, but I was at a point in my life where I could pay attention to that. So many other things had happened that led up to that moment that that was the final straw for me. So I didn't even confront it. I, I became very scared and I had reason to be scared because I had no idea what he was capable of. And, and that was shown to me very shortly later. How old were you then? I, how old was I? Gosh, I was probably 52 years old. Okay. I think I was 52 years old. I'm 60 now. Okay. And your children were how old? And my children were 20 and 23. Okay. So you're all sitting there. He confesses all the things he's been doing this whole marriage. Well, no, no, he didn't confess all of those things, but confess some things. And, and then there was a, the big red flag for me for that particular moment was the money manipulation. There was always money strings attached to things and money manipulation, but I just kind of was a very obedient wife in a way and just allowed, you know, him to control the family finances and little by little take any kind of control away from me so mm-hmm. much so that I, I didn't even have a checking account and kind mm-hmm. of was given an allowance and, you know, just something I would never go for now, but that's <laughs> kind of what I did. And, and that was really a light bulb moment. And I knew to escape. I knew that I had to get out. I had no idea though, that, that really, If you're in a situation like that, you need to do some planning to be able to have a more comfortable exit. Right. But I didn't. I I just kind of went with my gut feeling, thinking, hey, our house has been paid off for 10 years. You know, we'll either move or or I can stay in it. I know he didn't care about the house and garden and all of that. He didn't. He put on a, a good act. For everyone. And, and I think he, he liked the status situation of being married with children, living in a suburban neighborhood, you know, like everything in his life was perfect. I mean, in fact, a few days after that pizza dinner, mm-hmm. when he, when things became physical, when he was very threatening to me, you know, he said, don't you dare divorce me. And that just was so weird for me to hear. It was kind of, it was just, I had not even talked to him about divorcing. So obviously he knew he probably had, had reached his limit, you know, or I had reached my <laughs> yes, limit. Right. But that, that was really awkward, but I had no idea that I would lose everything and that actually parental alienation, losing two adult children Oh, that would be brainwashed. It's beyond my comprehension. So when I hear that story, you know, I've I've probably heard that that word before, but I never knew somebody. Yeah, and knowing how much you wanted to have babies and have the family and love your children so much. I mean, when I hear that, I thought, if that ever, yes, all of your heart, and I I could could cry if that my little children. They're not babies, but my little two girls, when I hear your story and try to relate to that and think, wow, someone, their dad found a way to make you the bad person. Uh And now you don't even get to see them anymore. Not at all. I mean, it's been, it's been close to 10 years. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's beyond devastating. The heartbreak is something that 
is otherworldly. I have never experienced such pain in my life. And then I tried, of course, um, to reach out. You know, it doesn't happen. It does happen overnight, but you don't realize it's happening overnight. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you go for a few days without them talking to you, and then it's a week, and and then it's a couple weeks, and then it's months and years and many years. And so, you know, it is just mind blowing because, you know, I was, I was my daughter's Girl Scout gold leader, you know, um, we were very, very close. Um, I, I don't know. It's just mind boggling how she, she or anyone, the neighbors, the friends, the family, the, the acquaintances that could buy into a false narrative. You would think that, you know, hey, I lived in this neighborhood for over 20 years. I was like the neighborhood mom with the lemonade stands and the art projects and all of that. And I just felt like I was connected and that people knew my soul, knew who I was all about. Right. They're completely gone. I mean, it's just like somehow with lies, outright lies and a false narrative and, you know, half truths, you know, like who knows what was really said, but whatever it was, that smear campaign by my ex-husband was extremely successful. But how could, wait, 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 wait. So when that, if that happened, I would, do you just go to your kids and go, wake up girls or is it a girl and a boy? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like kids. I didn't do that. It's not, do you go defend yourself? You know, um, I, I think there was some time where I would say, please, you've got to know the truth. You know, both of us, you know, yes. So there was some of that. Then it goes to like trying to reach out by texts or phone calls and emails. There was a time I didn't even know where my children were living because, you know, the perpetrator will, you know, hide their whereabouts, go to a lot of efforts to move that person, um, you know, to move the children but not let me know. So, um, you know, and is that legal? <laughs> you know, they're adults. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, they're adults. So, so, you know, even though it's extremely devastating, I would not wish parental alienation on anyone. And I certainly would never do that for their father. I believe that even though he's extremely abusive to me and continues to be, you know, he still takes me to court for, you know, mostly money related things, but it's, it's just, yeah, no, it doesn't end. They don't, they're obsessed with you. They don't want to let you go, you know, and I even moved from the Chicago suburbs all the way to the Caribbean. I know, you know? in paradise. In paradise it. where I'm living a beautiful life, but I'm constantly, you know, harassed and stalked even being this far away, wow. but that's part of, that's very common. That happens to men and women that, that, you know, escape these kinds of relationships. But yeah, and then actually at one point, there can be legal petitions against you. And I can't believe judges go along with things like this, but they do, where you are legally unable to communicate with your children, your own children. Oh my so God. I can't reach out and send a birthday card. I mean, you know, the protection orders are over now, but yeah. Yeah, that was it. You know, this, the children have no idea that the legal ramifications or the cost involved or the emotional toll that something like that takes on a parent 
that is, you know, wrongly separated from their children. But that is, you know, something that the abuser wants when they when they realize. And I think that my abuser realized he can't really destroy my spirit, mm-hmm. the magic that's within me, that's always been there. Um, maybe he thought he could, but when when they realize they can't destroy you, they'll take and they've taken everything from you. They will go for what really, really pu- pulls on your heartstrings, and that is your children. Wow. And so, yep, it's it's something that many, many people have to face. It is extremely devastating. It's painful. There are triggers everywhere. Um, I've tried my best to reach out to my children to let them know. And I was close with my other child, my, my son, up until his 30s. But he has some other challenges that, you know, also contributed along with parental alienation to a recent complete cutoff from him as well. And I'm at the point where I have to look at life like, okay, everyone has their own journey. They somehow deep in their minds and bodies have to know the truth. They have to know the right. love that you know oh, that's everything. what I mean I mean you are their mother like, yeah I just in mother's love doesn't doesn't right. lie you know no, no but you know at some point when kids get older they're influenced by other people not just the other parent but there could be you know friends and neighbors and and you know other people that you know kind of don't know the whole history but kind of take their word for what their version of the situation is, even though it's based on all false information. So it's, it's gotta be just awful for the kids. And, and actually at some point, if they ever do kind of acknowledge the truth and want to reach back out to me as their mom, you know, they're going to have to deal with a lot of guilt for, you know, how they treated me and, all these years that have gone by, all the missed milestones, they have to know the, the pain and suffering. But at the same time, I'm a different person now than I was. I've always the loving mom. But at the same time, I need to protect myself too, because there are many situations involving parental alienation where the kids eventually do come back just to leave again. In a short time, they're coming back just for money or for whatever the reason is. They're they're coming back for for something and then just leave that relationship again where the parent is is just left speechless, you know, because they they thought, wow, after all these years, we're finally reunited. So it the dynamics are always they're completely changed. So it's it's just heartbreaking all around. But And the pain is real. And I think that the writing that I have done after my spiritual awakening with my God came to my garage sale, you know, I wrote a five book series, which, you know, I know you checked out, you know, called True Deceit, False Love. I've got five books out and I'm working on a sixth, probably a final one, because I I need to move on. Not like I'm really moving on. It's just I need to to get back to 
living my life. And, you know, I've already been able to through the books in a very unique way. Like you said, they're very interesting books. They're not your traditional books. They're certainly not even a tell-all book. I don't, I don't really, it's not autobiographical necessarily. I think when people go through challenging times that are so traumatic, reaching out and helping other people while you are healing or at the, at a certain level of your healing can provide inspiration to other people, but it's also, you know, just very validating and and it's very healthy to get it out. And I feel that, you know, Hey, if my children now, because I've, I've been asked to speak on many podcasts and I have book signings and, you know, uh, I'm not on social media, but, you know, on my website, I, I post pictures of myself and that type of thing so that they can see who I am and, and that I am speaking the truth. Right. And, and, you know, no parent who has gone through what I have or anything similar would go to the efforts that I have done with, with trying to put goodness out there and, and to kind of set the record straight. It kind of blows the narrative of the abuser because I'm sure they have been told and neighbors and friends have been told certain things that I have contradicted by just right. being who I am. Right. They and couldn't put, like, yeah, it wouldn't be yeah. the same person. You couldn't right. put it, put it together. Right. So when you, um, so like, just so I, I guess I wanted everyone to understand that because yeah. when you're sitting now, when we come back to this place of the garage sale and this yeah. uncovering your magic moment is the gratitude. And here you are, you have nothing. You're selling what you have at this garage sale. Are you at the home that you're leaving? Yeah. Okay. So where's the husband when you're having this garage sale? Oh, well, he left right away. Like okay. as, as soon as I filed for divorce, which was really the same week that we had the pizza dinner and, you know, right. I mean, he was gone, but, you know, I found out later he's got a double and triple and quadruple life. And, and so he had no intentions of, of staying. Okay. In, in fact, you know, even though he kind of signed away saying she can have everything in the house, you know, that wasn't the case. He put that down on paper legally or whatever, but you know, no, he wanted, a lot of things, even our bedroom furniture, which is extremely creepy, but you know, <laughs> he, he wanted that. But I also, as a good, loving, honest person, I wanted to collect his belongings and things that were important to him, even his family photos he was going to leave behind because really he may not even really care about all those things, you know, right. it could just be for show, but, but whatever, I put all that together, but no, I was left to pick up the pieces of everything. In fact, I was left to pick up the pieces of like, I didn't realize property taxes weren't paid. And I mean, just all the financial jugglings. I mean, it was just, that was his full-time job, you know, hiding for many, it. many years. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I, I just, the part of me, when I see a relationship, this dynamic with em- empathic person like you and a narcissistic other partner. It's usually watching the, the empathy still exist, even though they've been destroyed, (laughs) you know, you still cared. You still, Oh yeah. You know, it's like, what? 
And I still would never speak ill of, of I know. You know, my children's father. You know, I still would always encourage them to have a relationship with them. I just think that they might want to understand a little bit more what they're dealing with. And I think in time, at some point, the mask falls off and the true colors are revealed. And so eventually we'll see the writing on the wall. But at the same time, it's painful for them because they... They want both parents, you know, they believe both parents, you know, but it's very, very common for young and adult children to choose the parent that wasn't there for them all the time with the unconditional love. And, you know, the one that, that was there at the home all the time, you know, doing the art projects and the parties and the support, the homework, just the everyday stuff that's the one that gets discarded because Mm. they know that person's love is unconditional where, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into all of this. And I had to do a deep dive into all of, you know, the background research that has, that goes on with these types of personality disorder people and, and these kind of dynamics in the family. And then I also had to do my own inner dive to go back to my childhood to say, okay, yeah, I did have divorced parents and let me think about those dynamics. And yeah, there was abuse on both ends. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like in order to marry someone like that, you had to have had something in your past that seemed familiar to you. I always like, you know, with me and raising my girls, you know, I'm so intentional with, you know, the way Richard, you know, parents as a dad and, you know, they're going to be, you know, whatever they learned from their, this dynamic of this relationship that Richard and I have, mm-hmm. you know, it's so easily to repeat, you know, the loop just keeps going. Right. And actually I'm at a point where I'm kind of stopping that intergenerational abuse, yes. even with it. my 90 year old dad who, you know, I recently spent a lot of time with, invited him out to the Caribbean, that type of thing. But I'm really, now that I've done a lot of research on on some of the things that are said that are very, very common and behaviors and that type of thing, I'm realizing now I know what I'm dealing with. And it kind of makes sense then why I chose some of the relationships, even friendships, you know, mm-hmm. even the trauma bonding with people that, you know, I had even from when I was a little kid, you know, some of the friends from grade school and high school that I now had to really kind of reevaluate and, and make some decisions about, you know, yeah, do I really, is this really healthy to be in my life? But it helps me understand myself a little bit. I don't necessarily want to change who I am as far as my outlook on life and people. I like to find the good in everything and everyone, but I'm a little more discerning now. I should say a lot more discerning now about who I let in my life and who I, I want to keep in my day to day. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's go to the garage sale. Yeah. (laughs) The peak of the conversation. Let's get to the, this moment that I love. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I was really in a state of gratitude, even though I was having to basically give things away, you know, I mean, it's not like you recoup any money or anything like that, but I just physically had to shed these material belongings because I knew I would have to leave this beautiful suburban home and I wouldn't have room for it. And, 
you know, I just, it was what it was. And I had, you know, around that whole garage sale time, sometime part of it was during the garage sale. Some of it was before, a lot after some miracles that happened that were very spiritual in nature that really kind of confirmed for me that there was a God that I was being looked after, that I would be okay. But they were spiritual transformative experiences, which they're called STEs, very much like near-death experiences where someone flatlines, you know, they have an out-of-body experience where they go to heaven, they meet Jesus, they meet God, you know, Mm -hmm. so many similarities with these stories. And that's kind of what happened to me. And I think that the trauma of my situation that I was in, I think catapulted me to having this awakening because I really think, you know, this awareness happens after you really experience just devastating loss. Mm -hmm. And so one of the experiences that was just so significant, I will be speaking about this next week at the SAI conference, the Spiritual Awakenings International Conference. I was surrounded by dragonflies. First, it was one, then a few. Within a five to eight minute period, I was surrounded by 50 to 100 dragonflies. And I was kind of frozen in a state of awe, looking at this magical experience. It's almost like I was out of my body in a way. In some ways, it was like I was stuck in concrete and I couldn't move. I was just mesmerized. I was paying attention to every little detail. And this experience, along with so many that I write about, happened in slow motion. And so I would say most of my experiences happen when I'm in either in a deep meditative state or I'm in prayer or I'm just every day, you know, swimming in the ocean or whatever I'm doing, I'm just in a state of thankfulness, gratitude, that type of thing. So it was slow motion so that I could actually see all the veins of the wings of these dragonflies that there's no way in real time, you know, they'd be buzzing around pretty fast. I saw the iridescent colors, but the feeling that I had was just significant. I saw little ones. I I equated them to babies and toddlers and teenagers and grandparents. And Hmm. I equated these dragonflies with people. That's the, the, knowing message that was in my brain. And I just was felt like I was just surrounded by a big hug, like of, mm. of just support. And um, luckily about three quarters of the way through, I, I started to come to, I started to come out of this, you know, kind of state of wonder. And I pulled out my cell phone and I videotaped these hundred mm-hmm. dragonflies just to have proof that this is what happened. And and so that was amazing. And that led to many other kind of dragonfly experiences that that I never would have paid attention to before. And uh, luckily, I'm someone who, because of my atheist background, I need proof. I need evidence. I need to hear other people's stories to, to be able to really make sense of what I experienced. And so many in my research and, you know, attending IONS, which is the International Association for Near-Death Studies, hearing those people's accounts, reading so many books, I got that validation that, you know, yeah, some of these magical miracles can happen on Earth, 
to everyday people. Have you ever looked up the spiritual meaning of what a dragonfly means? Yes, I have. Yeah, actually in my chapter one in my spiritual fiction, I actually kind of do an informational dump on dragonflies because dragonflies are very significant in numerous cultures. And it basically means transformation, you know? So that made a lot of sense because I was really transitioning from life as I knew it in my little American dream bubble, Mm -hmm. you know, to having to know that, you know, life is very different, but then also with the heartache can come, you know, the awareness that there's so much out there. Right. So it is definitely transformational. And then it went on, you know, I had numerous experiences where that things came through messages and information and visuals came through electronics, which is also a common thing. Like what? You mean through your, through your phone or computer, you would get a message? Through through a television set, you know, I was shown, I was definitely contacted by someone who had passed away and there's no way what I experienced and how I felt like I felt like I was sitting there looking at this TV screen for hours or even days when really it was only just seconds and moments, but everything was in slow motion. And that's been confirmed for me about how time just, there's no time. I know. Let me hear your, your definition of time. Well, I think that we create time. We need time for appointments, you know, because of our busy lives, for our jobs, that kind of thing here on earth. But every single account that I have heard of that is otherworldly, where someone has left their body and experienced the divine, or even these spiritual transformative experiences like I did, there's no time. There's no time at all. In my experience, time was slow. Everything was slow motion. So not only my experiences are slow motion, they can't be quantified because something that lasts minutes felt like it was days, weeks, years. Hmm. It's almost like there's like another plane of existence and that's happening simultaneously to our plane. So, you know, I think time is an earthly thing. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about when you meditate or you're in nature and you're in the ocean and you get to that place, do you feel like you're getting close to that other plane that we, you know, the chant, like people that channel, you know, always say they get, they have to get their the vibration or what would you say? What, how do you, like, I'm listening to you thinking, I want to look at, I want to have that experience. Right. I I almost describe it as being in a zone, Mm -hmm. you know, being in a zone, you're just transported, teleported to like another existence. Right. So you can, you can kind of feel that you're in your body and here, but then again, a big part of you isn't here and in your body. You're you're out of it. Right. So and keep going. Sorry. I was and just gonna say it's just it's it's so hard to put words, you know, for someone like myself who loves words. And a lot of my writing, like in the true deceit, false love, is all about words and terminology and language. 
Um, I'm, I, you know, and maybe that's the English teacher background in me, or both my parents were English teachers. And, you know, so I've always had a love of, of words. Um, and now an understanding that words can really hurt people, but words mm-hmm. can also heal people. Right. Um, but I don't think we can find the earthly words to explain fully what we've gone through. That's why if you were to look up near-death experiences or STEs and see that there are thousands of people giving their testimonials about what they experienced, they all will say it's very hard to find the words. They And I'm someone who loves color. Like I've always loved color in clothes and in and in nature. And, um, you know, they say that you can't even describe the colors right. because they're so vivid. They're so, they're just, you can't use your English words right. to describe. I've heard people talk about colors. And yeah. Um, so when you look at your life from a higher perspective and you look down and you, you think, okay, I've signed up for these parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I signed up. You and your husband decided this mm-hmm. before you came. You believe all this. Your kids. I do you. believe that. I do believe that now. So you're on this journey to yeah. learn all these lessons. If they were hard or whatever, we're yeah. all here to. We've chosen this 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 story. Right. But this is happening right now. Mm-hmm. The future is happening now, mm-hmm. and the past is happening now. Yeah. Tell me that, Marnie. It is. I believe that it is. I believe that it is all happening simultaneously and that it's more just our awareness that makes the change that that lets us revisit our past and and be mindful and present, but then also kind of look at our future at the same time. So uh, but I think our awareness is what um, what brings it to the forefront. Cause I think that for so many of us and myself included, we just went along life, just busy and, you know, still enjoying and still being appreciative and, you know, um, having fun, working hard, you know, experiencing challenges, you know, but without really, really, um, taking a step back and analyzing what, what, what is it all about? Right. I totally. And I think that traumatic experiences. And I really don't wish traumatic experiences on anyone. I really don't. I think it'd be very cool if you could go through life without experiencing devastating sickness or loss or. That's, we are labeling it bad, but really right. we can there label must, it good. Yeah. Right. Right. In fact, like you were saying, you know, if we signed up, which I believe if we signed up to be in this family, to have these experiences. I look at the abusers in my life. And in addition to my ex-husband, you know, there were other players that were supporting that. And, you know, even a best friend that I thought was like my forever best. BFF. <laughs> BFF, not so much. A right. lot of deceit and a lot of betrayal, but it didn't come out until halfway through my life. And then the light bulb came on and I realized, wow. Then it makes you look back and reflect 
well, you didn't really resonate on so many other things. You know, your values were different and, but you just kind of went along trusting. And I think that there's trauma bonding. That's something for people to kind of look into because I think as humans, we get trauma bonded with people, whether they, there's intermittent reinforcement where there's, yeah, there's some bad times, but then there's also some good times. And you mean so like the pity party friends yeah. where they want you to join on there? Yeah. You know, it can be a number of different things. It can be a number of different things where you feel like you owe another person because they've been there through your history. They know your backstory. And so you kind of are bonded to these people when really that's not necessarily a healthy thing to do. But I kind of look at The abusers and the negative situations and people are all blessings because without that, you wouldn't have evolved to really seeing the real picture. And so I actually have to thank the negative situations in my life because that's all part of my growth journey. Right. You know, the way I look at it as, you know, like thinking of your husband in the abuse, right? think of what, cause he's a perfect soul, beautiful from, you know, we're all one, but he chose you guys. He decided that he was going to come on this journey with you and do this. So you could learn these lessons and grow, but in the gratitude of him, wow. And then when we go and we're into the next, our bodies, we're not in this body anymore. And you're going to meet him again. You're, you're like, you did that for me. Right, right. So it would be a very, and I actually could have been an abuser in a past life myself. Right. So I could have been the person that would lie, cheat, and steal. I'm not. Have you done that? Here. Have you done past life regressions? I need to. That's on my list. Yeah, I, I have. And it's so amazing. It changes. It just makes you realize, like, first of all, everything's going on all at once. That that's where I kind of got that yeah. a clearer understanding of time and how also I was going to ask you, do you, in the next realm that you've been able to achieve, yeah. what do you think about, I've interviewed people where you can go back in time and change this life. You can go back and make a different decision mm-hmm. and change the trajectory do you believe I that? So, you know, I'll tell you, I'm so fascinated by that concept that my whole life before this awakening, I've always been into time travel, like the, movies, uh. the books. I've always been into even the Back to the Future movies where you can go back and you change one little aspect and it changes the trajectory of everything. Mm-hmm. That's always fascinated me. It's always interested me. And maybe that's possible. I don't know. It's just, it's so much fun to explore that. But I am, you know, even my children, if they were to say, what are your mom's favorite movies? They would say time travel. Oh, cool. She's always, they know that. They know I've always loved time travel. Just the, even, I don't know if you remember that movie with Christopher Reeve and, and Jane Seymour, Somewhere in Time. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, that was in a different era, that movie took place, but that was just mesmerizing Mm -hmm. for me. The fact that something as simple as a penny could, you know, in a pocket could change the course of everything because, you know, you're bringing something from one world into another world. Right. Yeah. That's a great, very cool. I need to go watch that movie again. That's been a while, but now that I know what I know, I'll have a different view of it. Yeah. When you think of like, I've interviewed a man that teleports 
he teleported to Jamaica, came back wow. on his couch, had the sand in his toes, wet bathing suit. So where we're going and what is your take on, you know, where, I mean, I, I feel like I've read a lot about like the veil you're, you talk about it a lot. The veil is thinning. Yes. Yeah. But what is, what do you mean by that? I just mean that, you know, especially what we've experienced in our world the last couple of years, it seems like there is just like a, a new awakening. So the veil is, is thinning, meaning that there is a veil, there is a screen from our world that we think is the world to another realm. That is like more you're, the realm that you're talking about, like yes, that a realm? higher realm, yes, of okay. spirituality. And so I think that so much evil and deceit and all that is coming to the forefront. And I believe that that is encouraging people to get deeper within themselves to kind of look at the bigger picture. And then I also think, you know, there are platforms like your wonderful podcast, okay? And books that are out there. And I think that there's, as time has evolved, there's more opportunities for people to communicate and talk about these things. You know, back in my parents' day, you know, people wouldn't talk about this that much. Or if they did, they would, people would think they're crazy. And in fact, even when it came to just family issues or mental health or whatever, that wasn't even supposed to be talked about. Hush, hush, don't tell the neighbors, don't say anything. Even my late aunt, who had a huge influence on me, she was very spiritual. And I connected with her later on in her life. She had lost a son. And I actually was inspired by her story for my book. I put different names, different scenarios, but I was basically inspired by the real event of her losing her 13-year-old son to drowning in the next-door neighbor's pool. Oh, geez. And her mother told her, he's gone now. I mean, she's a Presbyterian. She's the one who believes in God. But she said, he's gone now. I don't want you ever to talk about him again. Don't even think about him. And um, just go on with your life. And so that was the approach back then. Right. Now, she would have been in her late 90s if she would be living now. So you can kind of get a perspective of the generation. But, you know, basically in that era, you weren't to talk about it. So I think the veil is thinning because I think it's thinning. I mean, I think it's thinning because of what's happening in the world. We're evolving to this point and people are becoming more and more aware, but we also have platforms to communicate our thoughts about this. Right. Whether we believe it or not, we're having, you know, conversations. Right. And I think conversations matter. I do too. You know, just the evolution of my podcast and what we've talked about two years ago versus what I'm talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's a a huge difference. There's a, I mean, if I said, oh, the veil is getting thinner and thinner, it it is. If I go back and listen from episode one to the hundreds, right? But what do you attribute that to? What do you attribute the veil thinning to? I just feel like it's like a, and if we think of time, like it's, it's a, you know, the 2020 pandemic thing was a huge shift. Like Mm -hmm. that was an opening. Like it was like, okay, we're here. This is, this doesn't work anymore. Yeah. You know, I have kids that are in school that take the same books or learn the same lessons as I did. Yeah. Like 
we need to evolve. We're not, it's too stagnant and there's not enough. What they need to know is we're, we're going somewhere, you know, we're, we're moving past this. We don't, stagnation doesn't work. And I feel like we had been in that place. And I feel like some of that, but some of that, those lessons are not things you would find in a formal school environment. I mean, some of them have to come with, you know, guidance from family members, you know, or friends or, or other places too. And, and I believe there's guidance within ourselves. I mean, I believe that a lot of the answers to so many questions we have are within ourselves. Oh, 1 million percent. I mean, I teach in my classes. I teach these kids intuition. We're coming to the end, but I, because you're a teacher and what just struck me was what, what do you see? Because I feel like school right now, it needs to transform into something new. I mean, I feel like they, they need to incorporate you know, meditation, yeah. intuition, yeah. Um, you know, all the things that are so important to, that they're just learning math and they, they study it and then it's gone or right. all that. What do you see? Well, I'll tell you, there's so, you know, I mean, if I had to go back in time and if I had younger children now, I would probably homeschool, which would change the whole trajectory of my professional career. But I probably would because there are so many other people that you know, are interested in having their children experience a lot more than just reading, writing math, you know, and then when you get governments involved and they politicize so much stuff in the schools and, and so many things are actually undermining what families think that their children are getting, you know, there's, it's a whole different world now, you know, I, I'm very thankful that, um, I don't have to live in that world right, right. now. And I, I retired after teaching for 35 years. I'm, I, unfortunately, that's going to be someone else's burden to, to have to deal with. But, you know, remember there were the schools of life where, where you would, you know, just be able to live out in the country and you, you learn math because you learn math because you need it for right. something that you are doing on the farm or something like that. You learn mechanics because you really actually do have to fix, you know, a tractor or a vehicle or something to just live. I think that when when we learn things that are necessary and and we can apply right away, that's where real learning takes place. And I think there needs to be much more exposure to the natural world as well as to the spiritual world. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I don't think we're there yet. You know, I think that it's a, it's a big time of transition. I'm just, I see a lot of, um, of dragonflies transformation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going to look at every dragonfly now with a whole different meaning. I always look yeah. at them as meaning. I, I probably yeah. have looked them up in my past and realized it's probably says transformation, right. but you know, the hummingbirds and the dragonflies or anything. I always am, you know, looking at for the spiritual meaning. But I want you to tell everybody how to find you, how to find it. Your books are all on Amazon and yeah. all that. But your yeah, website? Book, yeah, my books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And then my publisher is Balboa Press, which is a division of Hay House. So I'm sure many of your listeners know about Hay House. It's, you know, my spiritual fiction, God Came to My Garage Sale, is actually the name of my website. So www.GodCameToMyGarageSale.com. So that is where to find me. You know, there's a menu 
have. You can read about me. You can read about some of the amazing people that have endorsed my writing, including my five book series, True Deceit, False Love. And um, I've also participated in at least five other anthology books where I've contributed a chapter to some international bestsellers and that type of thing. That's been pretty cool. And so that is where you can find me is, is on my website. And then, you know, at least for this year, I'm going to continue to speak at podcasts like yours when I'm asked to do so. And there seems to be a lot of interest right now because I think just having these conversations, just down to earth conversations really resonates with a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I definitely have experience with the family dynamic situation as well as spirituality. And that's going on for a lot of people right now. You know, a lot of people are needing some answers. We're needing some guidance or needing some validation. I love that you have found your magic in the Caribbean. Yeah. I love it. And that you found that. Tell me right before we leave, what are you going to do now? What what is your next? We get off the Zoom. What are you going to do? My, we, my partner and I, well, actually right before the interview here, we went out and from the local fishermen got lobsters. And so we had an amazing fresh lobster dinner or lunch that we had today. And we've already done our gardening. We've kind of been out and I live on many acres in the rainforest. So we've been exploring the rainforest. And as soon as I Finish up here. We are putting on our bathing suits and we are snorkeling. So we're going to probably go to the pier where we uh, can find seahorses and turtles and um, rays and, you know, just all sorts of fish, of course. We call them the usuals. We see the usuals. (laughs) Yeah, now we're going to actually head over to um, one of my favorite beaches is closed right now because of the uh, turtle um, conservation. So it's only open half of the year. So normally we would be at that beach. Um, but there's a beach very, everything is within five or 10 minutes from us, but there's a beach also when we're done snorkeling the pier that we'll go to where, you know, there's just tons of sea glass, which is just beautiful for doing art projects and just the colors are amazing. And, um, so we're going to go do that. So I'm going to spend my afternoon in the ocean. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Marty, for being yeah. here. It's been so fun to meet you. and Nice to meet you too. Learn your story. Thanks. Well, you've got an amazing platform and, you know, for years you've been making a difference in so many people's lives. And I'm just honored that, you know, you saw value in what I had to say and wanted to have a conversation with me. So thank you for what you do as well. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.